You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Our next reader is uh, right now a best-selling author with, of the Sandman Slim novels. He is, uh, his, in his career before he started doing the Sandman Slim series, he's worked as a photographer. He's written for a number of journals, including Wired. He wrote the Accelerate uh, series of novels for Vertigo. He, according to him, he was responsible for the worst film of 2001, which is After Amy. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that later uh, with uh, Bridget Fonda. Who wrote a worse one? Well, we we can fight over that. We can compete over that. (laughs) We'll see see who wrote the worst book. It's called The Tomb. It's worse. It's worse. Okay. Okay. All right. He's also starred as the villain in a TV cartoon, and, uh, and he's worked in... Like all of the three of us up here, he's worked in just about every medium that uh, that you hack at to get to make money through the, through the jungle of genre. And um, but right now he is um, he's hard at work on this uh, new series of novels called Sandman Slim, at which the star I think is Death, as I understand it. But I'll let um, um, I'll let Richard Cadry explain that as he goes. So let's welcome Richard Cadby. Yeah, no, uh, James Stark, the protagonist, is actually much more of a hitman who, uh, he didn't start out that way. He sort of uh, was sent to hell against his will while he was still alive. And while he was down there, he sort of learned the trade of killing, killing things. And he got really, really good at it and then escaped. Oh, well, I was talking about thematically. Oh, thematically. Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Thematically. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's death thematically. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm real smart. He's death. Uh, I'm going to read you an excerpt from the fourth novel in the series, the new one that's coming out August 28th, called Devil Said Bang. Uh, I need to set this up a little bit because this is well into the book. Um, we're going to see a character in here named uh, Cherry Moon, who is actually someone from the first novel. We haven't seen her for a couple of novels for a while. She is very, very dead um, in this book, but she has become a certain kind of a ghost called a jabber. And what a jabber is, is a kind of ghost where the person, well, the, the ghost mythology is that the person has unsolved issues, they're they're stuck on Earth for some reason. But a jabber is a ghost who is so frightened and so screwed up that they won't even leave their body. So essentially what a jabber is is this kind of little uh, crawling skeleton with a, with a uh, soul stuck inside. And jabbers are these sort of pathetic, dried-up little skeletons that tunnel under L.A. and pop up every now and then <laughs> to uh, talk to people. And they stay underground because they're terrified of being, of being uh, taken for a zombie. And their bodies, bodies are very delicate, so if you smacked his, uh, a jabber, it would just fall apart. And they don't want to be taken for zombies. And they're kind of snotty about it, too. <laughs> so um, we're going to meet Cherry. Um, we're also going to meet a character 
um, called the Imp, and uh, she is there's a little ghost girl in the book, and she is in a little uh, blue pinafore with a great big knife, and she's killing people. And she, um, a little bit of her background, she is referred to as the imp. That You'll uh, find out more about that if you read the book. And um, this section of the book takes place in this um, kind of halfway station in the afterlife. Stark has to do this magic ritual that's sort of a halfway suicide to get to this place where the dead, are, dead hang out. And again, it's the sort of restless, screwed up dead, um, you know, who uh, still hang out in L.A., so, this is um, from Devil Said Bang. I open my eyes underground in a subway tunnel. LA's system isn't a system so much as a miniature golf course spread over a few miles and connected with trains. New Yorkers laugh when they see our puny line, but it's ours and we love it and mostly ignore it. This is LA. Sitting in traffic in your own car is much more chic than actually getting anywhere. Only squares want to be places. The tunnel looks clean but unused. There's a layer of dust on the walls and platform. I climb down to the tracks and walk toward a light maybe a quarter of a mile ahead. I bounce off the walls a couple of times and tripped on the damn rails. I'm still woozy from the trip down, but when I reach the platform, it's worth it. The sign above the tracks reads, Tenebrae Station. The escalator has come completely off its tracks, so I take the worn stone stairs up to the street. Travelers only ever go to the open deadlands. No one except necromancers and fetishists ever get to the populated areas. And now I see why. I'm still in LA. The Tenebrae might be another convergence. Whatever it is, it looks like all the landfills west of the Mississippi have been dumping their trash here since the beginning of time. I stumble through the debris like an Arctic explorer in a snowstorm. Garbage drifts down the long boulevards of abandoned buildings and forms loose drifts of newspapers, parking tickets, menus, and shopping lists. Swarms of flies move through the streets like flights of migrating birds. I'm on Broadway near the old Chinatown gate. Burned-out cars lie everywhere in heaps like a giant kid got bored and dropped them there. If I can't save a few of the dreamers, L.A. is going to look like this place soon, if we don't all fall into the twilight zone like Catalina did. Ghosts are funny. They have a lot of self-esteem issues. The Tenebrae looks uh, like some of the shittier parts of hell, which is ironic since most of the ghosts are here because they're afraid of crossing over. It doesn't take long before I'm noticed. Ghosts lying curled up on benches or sitting in windowless coffee shops stare at me. Some take a few tentative steps in my direction before losing strength or interest or both. Most look as windblown and worn as the empty buildings. Most, but not all. I recognize Cherry Moon from all the way across Chinatown Plaza. Her spirit is still strong enough to look better than the other ragged ghosts, clearer to her ideal form, which for her is a walking, talking anime schoolgirl complete with loose socks and pigtails. The kind of thing was creepy enough when she was alive, but it looks worse now that she's dead. Her skin is a pale gray and her eyes are bloodshot. She looks like Sailor Moon's evil twin. Cherry comes over and looks me up, looks at me coquettishly, like she's practiced the move a thousand times in front of a mirror. At least she doesn't smell as bad as she looks. You came. I can hardly believe it. My slightly smudged white knight. Hi, Cherry. It's nice to see you with a face. Are my eyes still mirrors of the soul? Sadly, uh, yeah. Having skin must be nice. I love what you've done with the place. 
God's little acre of shit. She touches my nose with the tip of her index finger. Don't be mean, James. She loops her arm in mine, and we walk through the endless garbage dump. This isn't the afterlife. This isn't anywhere. You know you can leave here any time you like. Oh, is that how it works? Well, thank you for explaining it to me. Hey, if I'm inconveniencing you, I can go. She tightens her arm around mine. Please, James, play nice. You don't know what it's like here. We all died once, and now we have to do it again because of that little bitch ghost. It looks like it even hurts more the second time around. I'm not killing the imp until I talk to her, so don't get your pigtails all knotted up if I don't go Bruce Lee on her. We turn out of the plaza and head downtown. She's a monster. She kills us. Hurt her for me, James. You know that back in the world, I'm lying in a pool of my own blood. I'd really like to get things rolling before I muss up my hair. Cool your jets, jet boy. We're almost there. A mob is following us. I must be the most interesting thing that's happened here since the imp. How sad for these dopes. How terrified do you have to be to put up with this dismal trailer park universe? If I had time, I'd make every one of these assholes a deal. Let go. Come to hell. You can hang out in Iliusus, the town God built for the righteous pre-Jesus pagans. It's still the nicest place down south. Crap parking, but there's no torture, and there are reasonable souls to pal around with. I'd do it just to get, at, get them out of this shit sink, but none of them would do it. They're all too chewed up by the demons in their own brains. I want to get, blame God for these losers, for not making himself known and available to humans, but I wonder if it would make a difference with this crowd. There's something willful about this kind of self-punishment. Without realizing it, they've made their own second-rate sitcom hell. Cherry says, I hear you killed Mason. Nope, he killed himself, but you helped. Eh, Russian roulette is a hell of a game. Second place sucks as much as... Well, there actually isn't anything worse than second place. <laughs> you cheated, didn't you? I'm not stupid enough to play Russian roulette with Mason for real. Up ahead, it looks like a small nuke went off. A deep crater is spread over four square blocks. Buildings and the remains of cars and street signs lie in heaps at the edge of the blast zone. What's hell like? It's not as bad as this. Normal people would rather be inconvenienced by hellions than be bored for the next billion years. They don't have any imagination. We make our own fun. Did you ever lie on your back, look up at the sky, and make garbage angels? It's very cathartic. <laughs> you tunnel in dirt and you play in garbage. You've come a long way since the lollipop doll gang. I miss them. I wonder how they are. I'm dating someone with an anime fetish. I'll ask her. The crowd behind us keeps growing. It's officially a throng on its way to becoming a mob. Off to the side, a group of kids in dirty rags, eight, nine, ten-year-olds, standing off by themselves. Who are they? Cherry doesn't even look at them. They're the lost kids. All of them died badly. She's telling the truth. The kids look worse than I do. They're crisscrossed with knife slashes, long, straight cuts along their throats, more slashes and crescent moon marks on their arms and faces. Does anyone do anything for them? They're not exactly chatty. They're little savages. They keep to themselves, and we leave them alone. Cherry stops and points down into the crater. There she is. Our ghost escort backs away from the hole and keeps going back to the end of the block. The only things at the bottom of the crater are the imp and the burned-out and rusted chassis of a school bus. She sits on the bumper with her blue party dress, idly stabbing the ground with a knife. 
I start down the steep crater wall, walking sideways to keep from sliding. Pieces of broken pavement and loose dirt tumble down around me. The imp looks up and screams, a full-on animal scream. Nothing held back. She raises the knife and rushes me. I get down to level ground as fast as I can and pull the eight ball from my coat. The eight ball is uh, a weapon, and he doesn't really know what the hell it is. He just refers to it as the eight ball. She freezes in her tracks, takes a couple of steps back. I stay frozen. In a few minutes, she decides I'm not going to charge her, so she goes back to the bus bumper and stabs the ground even harder than before, digging up fist-sized clots of packed dirt. When I get close enough to hear her, she says, Are you here to kill me? You think that might be because of the eight ball? The eight ball is what kills you? She looks at me. Komram, komrama omya is what it is. What is that? It's not yours. Yeah, I know. It belongs to Ayalita. No, she had it, but it's not hers. Is it yours? She shakes her head. You're not one of his. Who are you? One of whose? The cruel one. King Cairo? She jams the knife angrily into the ground. It goes up into the hilt. I forgot how strong she is. I'm not allowed to say. You can tell me. I'll make sure the cruel one doesn't hurt you anymore. I can't. Tell me who it is and I'll stop it. It's the old one. He watches us in the dark. Lucifer? Is, it the, is the old one Lucifer? She gets up and walks away. I follow her. If it's not Lucifer who watches you through the dark, is it another ghost? Is it God? The crowd of spirits spreads out around the rim of the crater. They back away from whichever direction the girl faces, like she's a four-foot-tall icebreaker. It is God, isn't it? I'm Lucifer, so I'm not one of his. That's what you meant. That's why you didn't hurt me. Why would I? Is that who you kill? Anyone who isn't damned? Kid, even in L.A., it's a lot of people. She shrugs. Them first, then the others. A rotten telephone pole lies lengthwise, half buried in dirt. She swings the knife, knocking out a chunk of wood the size of a basketball. Mostly I do what I'm told. Mostly that's all I do. Someone sends you to kill the dreamers. She nods, digging into the pole and prying the metal rungs out the side. And sometimes other bad people. Who tells you to kill him? He does. Talking to ghosts is like pulling eels out of a tank of motor oil. It's pointless. And anything Ferb you grab onto is, is hard to hold. Most aren't as direct as Cherry. Most have brains dustier and more barren than the shittiest parts of Death Valley. He? Okay. What man tells you to kill? She stares at the ground for a minute. The one with the flowers. I'm looking for a homicidal florist. Sure, why not? <laughs> Getting stuck with rose thorns all day in the height of your day, sticking a mylar balloon on a basket of daisies. That'll make you moody. Then it hits me. He's not a florist. He's the gardener. Cherry said it. She's just one of the pretty flowers in the garden. Teddy Osterberg, the cemetery collector. My favorite freak. Color me shocked, but there's a problem. You're not Teddy's ghost. I know that for a fact. How can Teddy tell you what to do? She stands up. Hair is falling across her face. She brushes it off with the back of her hand, leaving a dirty smear across her cheek. He just does. Did he tell you why? Should he? I don't know. You're killing the whole world, you know. She nods and giggles. It's fun. I like the funny skies. Talking about destroying the world has changed her mood completely. She comes over, <laughs> takes my hand, and leads me to another school bus buried on its side. 
Hand claw, hands claw at the windows. Faces scream as silently. Ghosts that weren't able to get out when she did whatever she did to blow up the crater. If I was a betting man, I'd say she fell from the sky and landed here like a meteor. My name is Stark. What's yours? She leads me past the bus and lets go of my hand. She kicks up clods of dirt with the heel of her Mary Janes, picks up a stone and throws it. It looks like she's thinking. Lamia. Hi, Lamia. What kind of a name is that? Mine. I mean, where is it from? Where are you from? I'm not really me. I used to be, but I'm not anymore. I lived here. Do you mean Spain, where you were the imp of Madrid? Or here in the Tenebrae? No, she yells. She's angry now. It was a long time ago. It was dark and there wasn't anywhere to stand. Were the streets broken? Was there an earthquake? I don't remember any streets. I floated. She puts out her arms and twirls around like she's a toy balloon. That sounds like fun. Were you on a boat? She stops, gets on her knees, and stabs the windows along the side of the bus. The ghosts inside shriek and crowd on the other side. All I remember is the cold and the winds and the stars twinkling. She's really worked up now. She turns to the ghosts at the edge of the crater, screams and charges them. She's only run a few yards and they've all disappeared. She turns on the first bus, stabbing the metal, kicking it, crushing the roof and sides. The kid is pure power stuck in a broken mind. I don't know whether to feel sorry for her to run like hell. She turns and looks at me like she's forgotten I was there. Are you here to kill me? You already asked me that. You'll kill me later, only if I have to. Mostly I do things because I have to. Does someone tell you to kill the other ghosts? No, they're mostly, mostly his and they don't run too fast, so I just do it. But the people I like killing them, the ones that deserve it. How do you know they deserve it? I just do. I feel it inside when the man gives me their names. Teddy, the cruel one tried to kill me, you know. You're not gonna kill me now. Not now. I'll kill you if I have to. You know, cruel ones tried to control me and make me do bad things. Maybe I can help you get free and you can stop killing. She holds out her hands and spins. I'm Lamia. I breathe death and spit vengeance. She drops her arms and sits in the dirt. She rubs her eyes, suddenly a tired, dirty little girl. I'm sleepy. I don't want to talk anymore. Are you going to kill more people? She curls up on the ground in her party dress. Oh, yes, lots. The sky is going to be a lot of funny colors. Along the edge of the crater are the gangs of murdered children. They're cut up, but not scarred like Lamia, but not scared of Lamia. Whatever happened to them, she didn't do it. Cherry is waiting when I climb back up to the street. She runs over and grabs my arm. I keep walking. You didn't kill her. Why not? I'm not ready. I know a part of what's going on, but not enough. And until I do, I'm not killing the only thing that might be able to give me answers. And what about us? What happens to us? Has she ever attacked you personally? No. Then you're safe. How do you know? Because ghosts like you aren't on her hit list. It'll be a while before she gets to you, long enough that you can wise up and get out of here. How do you know? Drop it. Cherry gets in my way. How do you know? Because you're not one of his, which means you're one of mine. That means you are damned, and she's not after the damned yet. Cherry takes a couple of steps back, puts a hand over her mouth. You bastard. You don't have to wait around here for her. Get out of here and save yourself. She leans against the ruins of the Chinatown arch, resting her ridiculous cartoon face in her hands. 
Go away, James. You let me down again. You know better than Parker. Take care of yourself, Jerry. Think about what I said. I head back to Tenebrae Station. The crowd follows me to the stairs, but none of them follow me down. Any of you can leave, too. You don't have to live like this, I tell them. I climb down into the tunnel and walk back into the dark. And when I open my eyes, I'm flat on my back in my room at the Chateau Marmont. Kasabian limps away from the circle with my shirt in his hand. There's a smeared spot on the tile where he's broken the bloody circle. I sit up. There are clots of blood on my arms and in my hair. I stink from sweat, but there's a nice surprise. The wound the imp gave me on my arm is completely closed. There, there isn't even a scar. Thanks. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.